A voice of one calling in the wilderness. Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. John's clothes were made of camel's hair and he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. People went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not think you can say to yourselves, we have an Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending on him like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. This picture is of John the Baptist announcing the coming of Jesus. This is about the start of Jesus' ministry. This is John the Baptist doing exactly what the Bible said he should do and foretold that he would do. And this is preparing a way for the Lord. This is the start of something big. This is the start of Jesus' ministry. The, the Messiah is coming. He is coming. You need to get ready for this. You need to prepare. Things are going to change. This is not the way we used to do things. It's not about the law anymore. It's not about the law. This is going to be different. The Messiah is coming. And then Jesus turns up. He is here. There's many baptisms. People come from all over the region. But then it's Jesus' turn. Jesus turns up. Now what I wanted to look at in this in this passage, I want to focus in on baptism for us for a moment and then Jesus and his baptism. I want us to remind us really what baptism is and what it signifies. What does it, what does it really mean to us? So I just want to um, show a clip. Um, I showed this in our last baptism service, which if you can believe it, it was two years ago. We haven't baptized anybody for two years, but we're having another one in November, the 28th. So be ready for that. If you know someone that wants to be baptized, if you know someone that's been talking about that, that wants to get baptized, it's coming. So let's, but if we haven't seen this clip for two years, I won't show it again at the next one, I promise you. But I just want to watch this, and, uh, and then I'll talk about it afterwards. Thanks, guys. Anyway, like I was saying, I had a lot of company. My mom always said, you got to put the past behind you before you can move on. And I think that's what my running was all about. I had run for three years, two months, 14 days, and 16 hours. Quiet, quiet, he's gonna say something. 
I'm pretty tired. I think I'll go home now. And just like that, my running days was over. So those of you that are old enough will know that film, film is uh, Forrest Gump. And that was Forrest Gump having been running for, what was it, three years, two months, and, and so many days. But Forrest Gump got to a point where he was tired of running. I'm fed up of running. I'm fed up of going in this direction. And we see him stop. And he turns around. And he wants to go home. He's sick to death of going in this direction. I've had enough now. I'm going back home. And this is kind of what baptism signifies to us. It's a change in direction. It's a change in behavior. It's a change of the inner man. In the, in the Bible, it uses the word, meta, in the Greek it would be metanoia, which means repentance. If you look in a dictionary, repentance talks about a change of mind. But it's more than that. It's so much more than that. More than a change of mind. This change of inner man. It's a total change of behavior and direction. If we look in this passage that we've, that we've just read, there are some, some repetitive words, some repeated words here that I want to say to you. In verse 2, we see the word repent. In verse 8, we see the word repentance. In verse 6, it talks about confessing sins. And John the Baptist is, is talking a lot about repentance, repent, confess your sins. There's a, there's a lot of this. And, and we hear the word, don't we, in church and in Christ, and we think repent, repent, it's just... It can sometimes have this negative connotation. I've done something wrong again. I need, I need to repent. But what John the Baptist is saying here is that this is what we're going to need to do. We're going to need to change direction. We can't go the, the road we've been going down, which is obey the law and we'll be fine. It's not going to be like that anymore. It's going to be different. We need to change that completely. And little did they know, but it was all going to be about mercy and grace and all about what Jesus does and not what we do. It was going to be a complete change of direction for the whole Jewish nation and for, for all of the rest of us then it goes on to to say bear fruit in verse 8 and bear good fruit in verse 10 you know, there's a sermon in there right away confess your sins repent and bear fruit but there's so much in this passage we can't we can't look at it all tonight but going back to to baptism the symbolism of baptism and, and what it means what happens you know, I'm stood over this tank here you, you may or may not be aware there is a tank underneath right where I'm stood the baptism tank here where we've baptized hundreds and hundreds of people over the years and what it signifies is being buried to old life and then being raised to a new life it's a putting the old life to death what we thought was the life we used to live what we used to be happy with it's putting that to death and being raised to a new life and doing things differently going in completely the other direction a complete reversal of what we used to do the other thing is, it's, it's immersion in water. The Greek, again, talks about baptizo. It is immersion. It's immersion in water, going into the water and out. And so it also talks about of cleaning our sins, of washing our sins away. This is what baptism speaks of. So if, if for us, this symbolizes a change of life, a change of attitude, a change of behavior, uh, a confession of sins, a repentance, a turn from one life to the other, if that's what it means to us, why did Jesus need to get baptized? Why did Jesus get baptized? The Bible says that he was without sin. So why did he, why did he have to get baptized if that's what it means to us? 
This is what we read about Jesus' baptism. It says, but John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. And you come to me? I mean, can you imagine that? Can you imagine Jesus coming to you and saying, will you pray for me? Will you baptize me? I mean, what a thing for John the Baptist, because John the Baptist knew who he was. But he said, I need to be baptized by you. Jesus said, let it so be now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. And then John consented that this has to be done. We just want us to look a moment at why. So we see this wonderful, we talk about this in the baptism course, this wonderful moment in history where you see all three members of the Trinity in, in kind of one story, in one place. Jesus was endorsed by the Holy Spirit. It says the heavens opened. The Holy Spirit had not been poured out on the earth yet. It had not been poured out on mankind. But the heavens opened and the Holy Spirit descended upon Jesus. This was special. And then there was a voice from the Father. He was affirmed by the Father. This is my Son in whom I am well pleased. This was giving Jesus accreditation. This was the first reason Jesus was being baptized. It was to show that he was consecrated to God. He was set aside for God. He was going to be doing God's work and nothing else. He was officially approved by God. It was especially shown when the Holy Spirit descended on him in such fashion. The second reason Jesus needed to be baptized or he did get baptized was this public announcement of the Messiah's arrival and the start of his ministry. This John the Baptist said things are going to be different now but this is here. It's happening now. From now on things are going to be different. The Messiah is here and he is starting his ministry. But the best thing I think for us by his baptism Jesus completely identified himself with mankind's sin and failure. There was no sin in him. He did not need to be baptized. He did not need to confess his sins. He did not need to repent. But in doing this, he said, I'm going to do it for you. And you need to follow me. You need to do what I do. He became our substitute. And he was, in his baptism, he was saying, this is what is to come. This is a symbol. I am going to die. Well, you need to die to your old life and you need to come to a new life. You need to follow me. But I'm showing you what is coming. I am physically going to die. And I'm going to go into a grave. But praise God, I'm going to rise again. And I'm going to live a new life. And I'm going to show you a new life, a new way to live. But you need to follow me and you need to follow what I do. Jesus was sending a message. He was showing us what was to come. And the fourth reason is that he was an example, as I've probably just said, for his followers. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Do what I do. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Come to me and do what I do. Paul said to the Romans, he said, well, don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Jesus was showing us things are going to be different from this moment on. You're going to live differently. We read in the passage that through baptism, he will fill us with the Holy Spirit. He will baptize us with spirit and with fire. We don't have to live by the law anymore. We can live by knowing Jesus. We know that Jesus has paid the price for us and he's going to send his spirit to help us with this. What else did it mean for us? What else does it say to us, Jesus' baptism? Well, in the Gospel of John, this this parallel kind of version of this story, John says in, in chapter 1, verse 29, this is John the Baptist saw Jesus coming. He said, the next day, John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is why Jesus came. 
This is why he came. This is why he was baptized, to show you this is what I'm going to do for you. I am going to take away your sin. In 2 Corinthians 5, it says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus knew what he was doing. He knew the sacrifice that he was going to pay already. Even as he approached the waters of baptism, he knew how this was going to go. But he did it for you, and he did it for me. Jesus made a way for us to be reconciled with God. This was about restoring the Israelites then and the Gentiles after us, that's us, to God. He did it so that we could be with God because he knew that our sin would get in the way. He did it so we could be in relationship with God. He paid the debt that we owe. The Bible says that the wages of sin are death. And that we all deserve death because we are all sinners. But Jesus said, I will pay that price. I will pay that price because I love them that much. I will take that death for them. If we repent, we can be forgiven and, in, uh, and enjoy relationship with God. With a loving God and a Father that wants to love us back. This is why he did what he did. He wants us by himself. We've sung it tonight about the, the goodness of God. About God coming after us. About chasing us. He's always done it. And at this time he said, I'm going to do it again and I'm going to do it forever. I'm never going to leave you alone. But repentance, is that a one-time event? Is it a one-time thing? Do we repent and that's it? So those of us that know Jesus, those of us that walk with Jesus, we repented when we gave our life to Christ. You know, said, yes, Lord, I used to live like this, but, but I repent. I'm going to change my mind. In fact, you know what I want to say to you? You know, it talks about confession of sins. Confession of sins is not enough. Confession of sins is the start. Confession of sins is saying, you know what? I think I've got this wrong. I'm doing some wrong things. It's a recognition. Confession of sins is, yes, I have done these things wrong. That's the thought. But repentance is the act. Repentance is that I am going to change. I, instead of going in this direction, I am going to turn around. I've recognized it, but I need to turn around and I need to head down this way. It's a complete change in behavior. So you'd think maybe it's a one-time event, but it's not. <laughs> it's not. Has anybody here, anybody brave enough, or proud enough maybe, um, to say, since they gave their life to Jesus, since they've repented and, and they've turned this, done this 180-degree turn, and they're now walking with Jesus, who here has not sinned since? No one. No, because we all sin. We're all sinners. And so repentance is something that we'd have to keep doing. We have to keep repenting. Now, I know I've said this is a 180 degree turn. So it starts with recognizing, you know what, I'm not maybe walking the way I should be. I may be a little bit off course. There's some sins I need to confess, but I need to repent. I need to turn, keep turning back on that path that God is calling me to, that complete reversal. I need to walk the way Jesus is. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. So I'm going to walk Jesus' way. So how do we stay turned? How do we stay on that path? If we know that we're sinners and we know we're going to mess up, from time to time, every day probably, we're going to mess up. How do we do that? How do we stay on track? How do we stop ourselves from getting lost and keeping the right way? Well, I think we need directions. When I'm, when I'm out driving, when I'm, as, as you all do, there's some roads, we know the path, don't we? We know where we're going. But there's other things, we need to look for road signs. We need to look to see where we're going. Some of us use sat-nav. We follow the instructions. Where am I going? I need to stick to the sat-nav. I need to follow it. We need road time, a tube map, an underground map. When I was in London on, on holiday over the, over the summer, we did a lot of, lot of um, traveling on the tube, and there were 12 of us. 12 of us, and we had some small children with us, 
and it was kind of a little bit stressful. Kind of a little bit, not, it was. I'm, I'm not, uh, you know, at times I thought this, I was getting a little bit sweaty thinking we're going to lose someone. We nearly did. Someone got trapped in the doors, but hey, that's another story. But we needed a tube map. Then we got two little twins that stayed with us, uh, Yara and Yana. They're, they're just turned 10 years old. And, um, and they kept saying to me, where are we going? Where are we going? And I would tell them where we were going and how many stops it was before we got off and, and what color line we needed to be on to get there. And they were like, how do you know? How do you know where we're going? Every time they asked me, I just knew. And I said, well, I'm, just, I'm looking at the map. Look at the tube map. And I would start to show them how to follow the map, how many stops it was till we got off. Little did they know I've got the underground map on my phone. And I would check it everywhere we went so that I knew that when we got off, we knew where we had to go. Every train we got, what platform we would have to go to. Because I knew if I didn't do that, we would probably get lost. And there was a couple of hiccups here and there, but predominantly, we stayed where we were. We need a map to keep us on that path. So if you know where we're going, so, so we would use the Bakerloo line. We would use the, I think it's blue. No, Northern line, the blue one. And we'd be using that to stay on that. I had to keep checking the map. What station do we need to get off? What do we need to get on? And I had to keep checking it to make sure we were going the right. If I didn't, we'd run up the other side of London. I don't know if you've, you've done it before. I have got on the wrong, wrong track and you've ended up the wrong, totally the other end of London because you think you're going the right way. But you've got to keep checking the map, keep checking the stops. So how do we spiritually make sure that we stay on the right track? How, if we're going to repent and stay on this complete reversal and we stay on track going the way Jesus calls us to, how do we stay on track? We really need to use a map. We need to use a map. Now I'm going to read to you, I, I love this version. It's slightly different in the NASB version of Psalm 119. Just read these verses to you. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. This is someone that reads God's word, that cherishes it, that checks it every day to make sure they know where they're going. Your commandments make me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever mine. I have more insight than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the aged, because I have observed your precepts. There's more knowledge and more wisdom and more insight in this book than any human could ever teach us. The way, the map, is right here in the word of God. It goes on to say, I have restrained my feet from evil, sorry, from every evil way that I may keep your word. This is a, a two-way street. I've restrained my feet from every evil way. I've kept myself from going every evil way because I have kept to your word, because I've been checking them up. And because... I stay away from every evil way. I cherish even more your word. And it escalates and goes on and on and on. And this is what, by checking the map. Do you, do you ever get that feeling when you're on a, on a journey and you're following the map and you get where you want to go? It's a little bit of a, oh, I did it. I must remember, next time I do this, I'm going to check the map. Which is exactly what we need to do with the word of God. Every question we have, every decision we have to make. Love this book. Love this book. It is for us. It is our map. It is from God. I have not turned aside from your ordinances, for you have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste. Yes, sweeter than honey to my mouth. This book is just, it's alive. It's so full of truth. It's so full of goodness. It's so full of what God says about you. And about which direction you should go in and how you should behave. How to keep on that line that says, I am walking the way of Jesus. He is the way and I'm going to walk his way. From your precepts I get understanding. Therefore I hate every false way. When we know the truth, you stay away from the false. When you know the good, you stay away from evil. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. This is the map. So once you've made that decision, 
to turn 180 degrees and to follow Jesus. How do we stay on it? What is our spiritual compass, our spiritual map? It's the word of God. Learn to love it. Learn to love it. I'm falling in love with this book all over again. There was a time when it was, it was dry and toast without butter. It was terrible. I was really struggling, but I'm learning to love it again. And it, is, it really is a lamp to my feet. It is worth falling in love with. This book is a wonderful spiritual map. So I want to ask you tonight, in light of what I've said, this repentance. We're all on different places. We're all in different uh, journeys. Now, you know when you, when you turn, when you, when you make a turn, if, you can be, if you're one degree out here, if you're one, de- one degree out on your direction here, it's not a big deal. But if you keep going on that one degree off from true north for long enough, you'll be miles away from where you want to be. So it's important that we keep checking. So I'm going to ask you to do that tonight. Just have you, have you even turned? Have you even made that turn? Have you said to Jesus, I want to go your way? Or are you still going your own way? Have you repented? Or have you just confessed? Have you just recognized that, yes, there is sin in my life, but I don't know what to do with it. I know I need to follow Jesus, but I'm not quite there yet. Have you turned back a little? You know, have you made that complete turn? You've turned from one side right to the other, but you've kind of, you've smelt something, you've tasted something, you've seen something, you've picked up a habit, a memory. Oh, I like that. I remember that. That's good. Yeah, I might might just head off down this street for a while. Perhaps you've headed off down a different way. Maybe it wasn't 180 degrees in the first place. Maybe when you repented, you said, Jesus, I want to go your way. I want to follow you completely. I'm going 179 degrees your way because I don't really want to give that up. I don't really want to let go of that. I still want a bit of that in my life. Maybe you've not made the full turn. Have you lost your way? Are you still holding on to that old life? And like Forrest Gump, are you tired? Are you tired of running from God? Are you tired of running slightly off true north and knowing that actually I want to go home? I'm tired now and I want to go home. I want to go home to Jesus because that is the easiest and best path. Now Jesus, the one who made it possible for us to live a new life with God, is reminding you tonight and me that just as he showed us the way to a new life, he would help you live it. It's not all down to you. Jesus says he wants to help you. That's why he sent his spirit to live in us and to guide us. John Tom, John 10.10 says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. That's the devil and his ways and the world's ways. That's one way you could go. But then goes on to say, Jesus said, I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. That's the other way. Life is yours and how you choose to live it is up to you. But Jesus is saying, if you come my way, your life will never be the same again. And I want you to keep walking with me. Are you tired of running the wrong way? (laughs) Running away from Jesus? Are you ready to come home? Because he's waiting for you to restore you, to forgive you and show you a better way. So I'm going to Ask, I'm going to ask the band to come up, the worship team to come up. We're going to, we're going to sing uh, worship to God. And in this, in this time of response, I just want to say to you that um, I'm going to pray for us in a moment. But there will be people here at the front, off to the sides, that would be willing and ready, more than willing, to pray with you. 
I'm not going to say this is just about repentance tonight. This is just about getting back on track with God. Don't, don't miss this opportunity. It's been so long since we've been able to do this, this ministry. So perhaps you want healing. Perhaps you've got pain in your heart. Perhaps there's something you need to fix. Something you need to tell God about. You want to stand, someone to stand with you and to pray with you. That could be you. But what I want to say to you tonight as well is that if you're off, if you are a little bit off true north, if you're a little bit off that path you know that you set off on and you just kind of wandered a bit, or perhaps you're not sure that I'm, I'm fully going that way, then just have someone stand with you and pray. If you don't want to do that, you can do it where you stood as we worship God. You can just say to God, God, I'm all in now. I'm all in. I want to go your way. No more of the world's way. No more, more of what I think is best. But I want to go with you because I know that you know best. He wants you to go with him so much. He wants you to walk with him so much that he died for you. So trust him. Trust him. I'm going to pray. Let's stand as we pray. Father God, I thank you for what you have done for us, Lord. I thank you for your examples. I thank you for your word that is so rich. It is so full of life. Lord, that it speaks to us about you, about your character, about your goodness, about your sacrifice, about how much you love us. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that we are called to repent that difficult word. We are called to repent, but we do it for for our benefit. We do it for our benefit. We say sorry to you. I don't want to go this way anymore. I don't want to do these things anymore. think these things anymore. I want to go your way, Lord. I want to think like you. I want to walk like you. I want to be like you. I want to bear the fruit that you bore in your ministry. I want to bear fruit. I want to look more like you than I look like me. I want more of you, Jesus, and I want less of me. I want to walk with you. Lord, that's our prayer tonight. We want to be more like you and less like us. So Lord, I pray in this time as, as we reflect, Lord, I pray Lord, as we offer our hearts to you, as we submit, we've already sung tonight, as we submit our hearts to you, Lord, would you do a work in us? Would you show us, like your word says, would you be a lamp to our feet? Would you shine a light on our hearts? Would you shine a light on our feet and show us just where we might be a little bit off or whether we really need to come home to you tonight? So Lord, we're gonna, we want to worship you now. We want to worship you now and we want to offer you our hearts. We love you, Lord. Come and love us. Amen. Amen.